Hi, and thanks for listening to the Turtle Talks podcast, a podcast which will cover the comings and goings of the Happy Dancing Turtle Garden Crew through the upcoming year. We'll cover topics ranging from planning your garden to putting your garden to bed. Now, to learn more about us, go to happydancingturtle.org. Now, let's get started. Thanks for joining in with us, guys, um, to our fifth uh, episode of Turtle Talks with the Garden Crew. My name is Colin McLean, and I work here at the me- media up here at Happy Dancing Turtle. Uh, I'm joined with Jim Chamberlain and Allison Ryan, and they're going to be talking about uh, minimizing soil disturbances and how it's good for uh, soil health. Uh, but first, we're going to uh, pull David aside here, Dave Wilson aside, and he is our garden specialist who is working every day, his hands getting dirty out in that garden. He is the guy who basically makes stuff happen. So Dave, what can you tell us about what you've been doing for the past couple of uh, weeks? Well, well Colin, um, I've just been uh, doing more uh, soil blocks and seeding. Now, I went over there this morning and you showed me these little tiny blocks. They were like, what, a millimeter, maybe uh, half an inch on a side? Yeah, they were three quarter inch. Super small, blocks, right? Like, you know, and he had, he had like, what was it, over a hundred blocks, right? It's amazing, yep. right? And just this little tiny spot. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason I'm using those uh, three quarter inch blocks now, we um, we normally do uh, like a two inch square block for lettuce or leafy greens. But since we have unusually cold temperatures um, uh, this um, April, um, I'm, uh, I'm having to just try to start some more of those leafy greens in our atrium so I can um, transplant those soil blocks um, out in the hoop house just because the uh, soil temperature isn't quite um, what those seeds need to germinate. Now, it's been so. kind of funky the last couple of weeks with snow and freezing temperatures yep. and then up in the 50s. I mean, mm-hmm. so it sounds like you've been kind of doing what you can to kind of bounce with that yeah right uh, yeah we're our um nighttime lows have been getting down there uh last night was about 12 degrees <laughs> so we're having to use um row covers and actually we have um you know, three row covers on each um raised bed right now just to add those extra layers in there they can withhold about three to five degrees um for each layer that you uh, put on there so uh so, so that's keeping those raised beds a little bit warmer at night and helping those plants. So uh, so you've uh, been putting soil blocks into uh, the atrium just so that they have a chance to germinate and get started. I mean, with this this funky temperatures outside, there's even in the hoop house, it seems like it might have a little difficulty with some of these uh, not cold cl- cold uh, vegetables. Mm-hmm. Give them a chance, right? So I mean, so you, yeah. But you've been putting some kind of summer vegetables out there already, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, somewhat. Uh, we are kind of seeding those more of the colder weather uh, varieties like um, uh, a lot of different brassicas, uh, brassicas which are like the broccoli and the and the cauliflowers and the cabbages and and, and stuff like that. So um, so they can handle more of those uh, colder temperatures. But it is definitely going to start warming up now. So so some of the lettuces and loose leaf lettuces and and head lettuces that uh, need the soil a little warmer so they can germinate. Those will be direct uh, seeded out in the um, hoop houses probably uh, this next week. Well, it sounds like uh, spring might be on its way, you know, when you're talking stuff. It's talking about uh, tomatoes and peppers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and it sounds like you're really, uh, like I said, rolling with the punches there, I mean, with us funky weather. So yep. it looks like your plan's working. Y- yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Well, good, Not good. So far. Well, awesome. Well, gee, uh, thanks, Dave. We'll, uh, we'll wrap mm-hmm. it up here. But uh, if you do want to know more about what we're doing, 
uh, please go over to www.happydancingturtle.org and uh, you can get in contact with us that way. So So this is the last one we're talking about soil health. <laughs> more, more. We've got one more principle to cover, but we will always be talking about soil health. <laughs> There's so much to talk about. Jim Chamberlain's health. in the room. We're talking about soil health. <laughs> Even if we're talking about, oh, I don't know, crawfish or something. Probably. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's probably about soil health. Soil health. Right. It's, it's, it sinks in there. Yeah. Well, what we'll do then is... Um, We'll do this issue, this episode, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, minimized tillage. Now, if you've noticed in the past, we've kind of talked about, you know, keeping our, our soil healthy. And mo many of those tips that we've given you was basically keeping your garden covered, getting keeping the roots in the ground. Would, well, first off, let's take a talk about tilling. What exactly is tilling in your, in your garden, in your, in your, on your land? Why would you need to till ever? Tilling is a pretty standard practice, has been for a long time. Um, historically, the concept has been that tilling improves your soil, that when you till your soil, you fluff it up, you make it nice and light, and it makes it better for planting and, and all control weeds and all those kind of things. Just, I mean, when I used to garden, when I first started gardening, I would till in the springtime, and I'd wait 7 to 10 days for all the weeds to germinate, and then I would till again, Surprise! <laughs> and guess again, we need to knock all those weeds down, and then I would plant my garden. You know, so I'd knock down the the seed, the weed seed population that way, because you always get a flush of weeds at you know right away after you disturb the soil. You know, that's the natural healing process of the soil is to bring those weeds up to to protect it. That's what the soil's trying to do is protect itself that's why weeds germinate that's always rule. always cover always yeah. get it covered, Keep it sure. covered. Yeah. nature abhors a vacuum so and then i would plant my crop and then maybe two or three times throughout the summer i would come through with a tiller between the rows and i would you know knock the weeds back down once they started to come up with the tiller or you know with the hoe and then at the end of the year after i harvested everything i would Till it back down again and get it ready for the next next season. If I was ambitious enough, maybe that wouldn't get done till spring. But <laughs> you know, it was regular to be out there three or four times a, le a year at least with the with the tiller and knocking those weeds back, always fighting those weeds. And I know now that that's probably not the best thing to do. And that's true to a certain extent, but the long term negative effects to soil disturbance are outweigh the the short term benefits of being able to manage that, that land easier. So you're saying people would. Situation. So you're saying people would till to 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 get rid of weeds to help plant their plant their rows, prepare seed beds, yep. draw that stuff. So there is a use for it. You're saying sometimes. Historically, there has been, and yeah, it tends to make your system a little more easy to manage, less complicated. That fluffy soil you're talking about, right? right? right. Um, but, but you're saying that what happens yeah. is the more you till and the more you disturb your soil, 
the more you break up that soil aggregate, the biological process of gluing your soil together into this nice crumbly cake-like structure gets broken down over time. Anytime you till the soil, you volatilize carbon, you release carbon from the soil and, break, and you, lose, um, you lose that organic matter, which is important to building soil structure. Um, you break break up that soil aggregate and make your soil more fine, which losses can cause a loss of soil porosity or the infiltration the ability of your soil to infiltrate water. So uh, you, you mentioned organic matter. Are you talking about the uh, microorganisms that live in your in your soil? In healthy, if you have healthy soil. Well, organic matter is any organic substance, so it could be dead microorganisms or decomposing plant material, all that kind of stuff. I think uh, a definition of, or a kind of an explanation of what a soil aggregate is, is in order. I think that, uh, I think our listeners would probably uh, appreciate that. Because I know I really don't understand what an aggregate is. Maybe you can help me out with that. So an, an <laughs> aggregate is like a, like a blob of soil that is held together mm-hmm. by all this glue that's inside the soil from microorganisms, from plant exudate, sort of... Um, and then it makes pores. So these are all these little round balls of different sizes kind of nesting together and it makes pores in your soil and so you can have um, water infiltration, oxygen, uh, the macroorganisms can make tunnels and get through by moving these little um, different sized sort of balls moving against each other. So yeah, soil structure basically would be another word for that. So I agree it's soil structure. A lot of like humus, for example, humus is the completely broken down organic matter to its final state, which acts like a glue-like substance that can hold water and, and glue those soil particles together. Mycorrhizae fungi, which is a beneficial fungus, emits a substance called globulin, which is another similar to humus. It, can, it, it acts like a glue that glues that soil together to form this aggregate or this I think the best definition of it is like a chocolate cake. So it's, you know, a moist chocolate cake that that has, you know, lots of pore space in it and, yeah, crumbly (laughs) when you pick it up. It's, you know, kind of sticks together, but if you move a little bit, it falls apart, that kind of stuff. Sure. And weren't you telling me about a cake that uh, you can make out of beets so it tastes like dirt? (laughs) Is that kind of the same thing? Pretty much anything make out of beets taste like dirt yeah yeah so that's kind of what you're talking about beet beet cake is it can taste delicious if you take the beets out i think you know (laughs) or you can use the beets to make red velvet cake without red dye oh you just to get the color of it yeah 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 sure sure um (laughs) trying to find uses for beets without the flavor without the flavor guys come on stop trashing beets uh uh, so where were we? Oh, yeah, you were talking about the, the soil, uh, how, how it's good to not, not till it. <laughs> so, yeah, when, so, when you, so basically when you, when you start to lose that soil aggregate, the more you disturb it, the more you till it, the more you plow it, you break up that soil aggregate, you lose that glue-like structure, which leads to compaction. You know, your soil gets finer, your, fi- your soil particles get finer and finer so that you get more compaction to the soil, which reduces infiltration. Water can't infiltrate. Um, compacted soil is more susceptible to inundation with heavy rains, so that it, those those pore spaces in the soil fill up with water, and then then you lose your 
your um, air exchange because you have to have that carbon dioxide oxygen exchange for plant growth and for microbes in the soil. And if you get that anaerobic or low oxygen condition because your soil's um, saturated um, due to compaction, then your plants can't breathe and they're not going to do as good. Well, it's one of the things. Problems. Yeah, that's one of the things that you told me about. Is is, is the main reason, uh, or one of the main reasons, to keep your roots in the ground is to make sure that the that it keeps the the rain that falls on your land on your land, so it doesn't run off. You know, mm-hmm. and then saves on irrigation, saves you know all those nutrients floating away, so to speak. And causing problems downstream. Yeah, like the Mississippi, right? The the the, 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 the tail of the Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. Hypoxia zone. Yeah. But um. That's a whole different subject. <laughs> That's a whole other subject. And then, and then finally, you know, anytime you till, the more disturbance, the more aggressive disturbance you're doing in the soil, whether that's tilling or plowing or, you know, the old mobile, mobile plow or any of that kind of stuff, you're running a tractor. And the heavier mm. equipment you're pulling, the, you know, the more disturbance you're doing, the, the harder that tractor has to work and the more, the more fuel you're burning. So by figuring out how to do no-till, you, you're using less fuel and... Saving money. Every time you start the tractor, it costs money. <laughs> Depends on the tractor. You know, if it's a horse or a mule, right? Still got to feed it. Still, Still got to feed it. Yep. <laughs> um, now, Allison, we were discussing this yesterday in our, uh, our get, to, get to know the topic, a uh, little pre, pre-meeting, and you were telling us about um, what happens to the soil if, you know, what, what, what's it like for microorganisms, you know, kind of just living in, in the ground, you know, just kind of living there, doing its thing. And what happens when its whole world is turned on its head? You Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Well, tilling for uh, soil organisms, microorganisms, and macroorganisms is like a tornado. And you just basically, their whole house gets turned upside down. Um, if that were to happen to you once in your lifetime, you would probably rebuild and move on and everything would be okay um, if that happened to you twice, twice a summer. Twice a summer, <laughs> maybe even more, you're going to move. You move somewhere else where yes. you know, Or die. Or in the process, well. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which the microbes really don't have a choice to move. They're, they're no, not moving. They're, right. right. Yeah. So um, soil health is about uh, organism diversity, uh, it's about biology. And we want to keep that biological diversity we don't want those organisms to die or move we want to keep them in our soil and keeping our plants healthy Um, so let's find ways to minimize soil disturbance why it's good to keep the, the roots in the ground. But that, as Jim and, and Allison have saying, that there are times when you, you certainly need to, and it's, it's, uh, but it's best to minimize it. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about, okay, if you, you're forced, not forced, but you choose to, you choose to do some tilling in your garden, in, 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 on your yard. Man, what are some ways to help you know, keep the, the, the work that you put into your soil to keep, those, keep your soil healthy? <laughs> Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. yeah. 
the easiest thing on the small scale is 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 raised beds. Um, for most home gardeners that are gardening in their backyard, it's fairly easy to go to raised beds, whether that's building a box out of kind of material, a wood box or something six or eight inches high and, and filling it with soil, or just doing a hand dug raised bed. You know, having a raised bed to find your growing area so you're not walking on it. Um, so you're not even talking about something, you know, for your back or anything like that. You're just talking about a couple inches high to... Yeah, anywhere from two to to eight inches tall, maybe higher if you if you want. Um, you know, we have some raised beds in our hoop houses. They're two feet tall, mm-hmm. 30 inches maybe, um, which is kind of nice. You don't have to bend over as far. Um, they're a lot easier to work. Um, but any kind of raised bed, even if it's a four-inch tall hand-dug raised bed without any sides on it, defines where that growing area is so you stay on your paths and you're not walking on your your planting areas and causing that compaction and now one thing um when is when's the best time to till do you think like first thing in the spring or should you do it i mean you were talking earlier about doing it the, when you were when you were young innocent farmer who didn't know anything else you said that you did it in the, in the <laughs> beginning <laughs> naive naive <laughs> But when do you think would be the best time to till? I mean, I'm sure there's different reasons to till, but, you know, there's got to be a rule of thumb, right? Well, I guess the, the one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to till really cold, wet soil. Most of your microbes, when the soil is cool, um, a lot of those microbes will come to the soil surface early in the morning. You know, you know, in the, in the morning you go out and all the night crawlers were, were just up all night, you know, and they're all up to the surface, mm-hmm. and all those microbes are up towards the surface of the soil. So as that soil warms up throughout the day, those microbes and, and macroorganisms and microorganisms will go deeper down into the soil, so you're not wiping those out. And then really he- wet, heavy soil, if you try to till that, then you're going to cause a lot of um, clumping and really destroy your soil structure pretty bad. So mostly it's the wet, stay away from wet soil. I don't even like to walk on wet soil. Well, that'll lead to compacting too then, won't yeah. it, if you just yeah. kind of step on it and... Right. Makes it hard for roots to get through there and everything, sure. If you've had lots of rain, stay off your garden. Let it enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. So cover crops can be used if you plant something that, that's like an early harvest. Say you have a, a 45 or 60 day brassica crop, say cabbage or an early broccoli or something like that. And that comes out of the ground late June, probably a little bit later than that, in July sometime. And you have three or four months two or three months yet in your season and you don't really plan on putting anything else in as far as a cash crop or a harvestable crop. So if you leave that soil bare, nature's going to want something to grow. Something you don't want, I would something imagine. Something that you yeah. don't want, so typically yeah. weeds. So if you come in with an intentional cover crop, say something like a buckwheat or a, a cover crop, that a smothering cover crop, something that grows really fast and provides a cover, you can reduce a lot of those weed issues, not have to worry about trying to eliminate those with some kind of tillage. So if you come in with a cover crop, plant something like a buckwheat that's going to freeze out in the wintertime, preferably before it goes to seed, then you're going to eliminate a lot of those weed issues with the cover crop. And in the meantime, you're meeting your other goals of, of keeping the soil covered, um, keeping living roots in the ground, which weeds would do that too. <laughs> but, but Thistles are nice in your weeds because we don't sure. want them there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nature abhors a vacuum. We've said that before. Um, so when you harvest your your crop out of your garden, there's a vacuum left, and um, weeds like disturbance. 
they um, are pioneer species. They, um, they're the the plants that we call weeds uh, are the pioneer species, and they want to get in there and cover the soil. And um, they usually have a deep root. They want to bring nutrients from deep in the ground up to the surface so that other plants can use them or microbes. Um, they're just doing their job um, and what, what nature intended really. So what we want to do is cover the soil so that vacuum isn't there. We're filling a vacuum, we're making our microbes happy and trying to keep those weeds from germinating. Well, I think that we covered all of our topics then. Um, if you have any, uh, any uh, cover crops that you think that would be good to go on to uh, your garden, let us know. We'd love to see it and, and hear it if you want. Um, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to call us at www.happydancingturtle.org. Jeez, we're really happy that you're listening, and uh, we'll catch you later. Thanks for the again. We need to think of something else. <laughs> That's not going to work. <laughs> Jim needs a new sign off. <laughs> All right, that's our homework. We need to write down at least 10 sign off. Sign off. Sign off. Yeah, yeah. Our soil is great. Let's keep it great. Let's keep our soil great. Go, Michael. We'll put it on the list. <laughs>